Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the quiet town where I'd lived for 17 years, nestled amidst the scenic beauty of the woods, hiking had always been my sanctuary. My two favorite things in the world were my faithful dog and the great outdoors. Regardless of the season, hiking was my daily ritual. Each time of year revealed a unique facet of nature's splendor, but it was September into October that held a special place in my heart. The crisp chill in the air, the breathtaking scenery that had not yet succumbed to winter's grasp, and the solitude of the trail, for this was the time when tourists abandoned our town. I usually worked late into the night on my computer, so these hikes were a lifeline to the natural world for me and my loyal canine companion. We had explored every available trail and perhaps a few unauthorized paths, but nothing could have prepared us for what happened last week. It was an ordinary day, with the sun filtering through the leaves as we ventured into the woods behind my house. It was mostly a forested area that bordered a sizable creek. Though I wasn't sure if it was private or state property, the locals all wandered freely and nobody ever questioned it. As we strolled by the creek's gentle flow, my dog's demeanor shifted. She began to growl and bark, a behavior entirely out of character for her. I tried to calm her, but her agitation grew. Then, out of nowhere, a man sprinted past us, plunged into the creek, and came to a sudden halt on the other side. I froze, my heart pounding with shock. The creek wasn't a mere puddle. It flowed with considerable force, yet this stranger had effortlessly crossed it. Uncertain if he had seen us, I ducked behind some bushes with my dog. She continued to growl, but her noise was muffled enough not to alert the man. Peering through the foliage, I could see him on the opposite bank his gaze fixed squarely on me. Was he looking at me, or merely in my direction? The eerie silence was broken when he spoke in a low, sinister voice. I see you. The words sent shivers down my spine. I dared not respond. He repeated his eerie mantra. I see you, I see you, I see you. Fear rooted me in place as I continued to observe him. He was middle-aged, not particularly tall, with a slightly pudgy frame. In an instant, he dashed towards me, splashing water wildly, and my dog was in a frenzy. My survival instincts kicked in, and I stood tall, meeting him inches from my hiding spot. He grinned widely, revealing a set of yellowed teeth. Before I could react, he leaned closer and let out an ear-piercing scream, unlike any I had ever heard. It was followed by deranged laughter as he sprinted back to his side of the creek, where he stood once again, laughing uncontrollably. My phone had just enough signal to dial the sheriff a friend of mine. I decided to stay close, uncertain of the man's intentions. Minutes later, the sheriff arrived with two officers. They approached the man cautiously, attempting to engage him in conversation. However, he perceived them as threats, and in a shocking turn of events, tackled the sheriff. The other officers swiftly subdued him, but he continued to scream relentlessly. Upon searching the man, they found no identification, only a kitchen knife. 
He couldn't provide his name or origin, leaving a cloud of mystery around him. Eventually, they called the state authorities, who relocated him to an institution better equipped to handle his apparent mental instability. In our small town, where everyone knew everyone else, this man was a complete outsider. It remained unclear if he was using any substances, and the sheriff wasn't forthcoming with that information. Regardless, I couldn't help but wonder, was he just a homeless wanderer who had stumbled into the woods that day, or was there something more sinister at play? Above all, I was thankful this bizarre encounter had occurred during daylight hours, and that my faithful dog remained unharmed. A few weeks ago, I found myself in the surreal situation of moving to a quaint, isolated town known as Meadow Lakes in the vast expanse of Alaska, just an hour's drive north of Anchorage. As a software developer, the idea of living in such a remote area was never part of my career plan, but I couldn't resist the offer that lured me there. A cutting-edge AI startup headquartered in bustling San Francisco sought to venture into uncharted territory by collecting real-world data from remote, technologically untouched regions. The project intrigued me, but let's be honest, the allure of a free house and a jaw-dropping quarter-million-dollar salary was too enticing to resist. My transition was surprisingly smooth. Living with my parents meant there weren't many belongings to pack up, and my substantial new income meant I could easily furnish my new abode once I settled in. The journey from the East Coast to Anchorage took two days, and from there, it was just a one-hour drive to my new home. Arriving around noon on the second day of travel, I was pleasantly surprised to find that all my belongings had made it safely to my new home, which was fully furnished. The kitchen was stocked with modern appliances. The living room boasted a comfortable sectional and recliner. I must confess, the recliner was my favorite. But the absence of a bed was a minor inconvenience. Falling asleep in my chair was a habit I had no intention of breaking. Just as I had finished touring the spacious house, which was admittedly too large for a bachelor like myself, a sudden knock at the door interrupted my thoughts. I opened the door to find a slim, middle-aged man with dark gray hair and a quirky, unsettling smile. Good morning, mister, he chirped cheerfully. You must be the newcomer everyone's been talking about. I'm Lenny, Lenny Stringer, your neighbor next door. Feel free to ask for anything, absolutely anything. Lenny's demeanor was sweet and almost childlike, but it swiftly shifted to a more serious note. And most importantly, do not, under any circumstances, answer the door at 12.04. After exchanging pleasantries with Lenny, I mentioned my travel fatigue and promised to catch up with him later in the week. While Lenny's warning about not answering the door at 12.04 seemed oddly specific, I assumed he was cautioning me about potential nighttime disturbances in this remote region. The remainder of the day was spent unpacking the few boxes I had brought from my parents' house. I knew that if I didn't do it right away, those boxes would remain untouched. Night had fallen and I settled into my recliner, dozing off. It felt as though I had just closed my eyes when I was rudely jolted awake by loud banging on the front door. Without thinking, I rushed to the door and flung it open. Didn't you check the time? Lenny exclaimed with a terrified urgency. He seemed genuinely concerned, as though something terrible would happen if I ignored his warning. All right, Lenny, I replied condescendingly and irritated. I'll pay attention to the time next time. Lenny nodded and walked away, leaving me to grumble as I returned to my recliner. 
Although his interruption was irksome, I had a talent for drifting back to sleep quickly. This time was no different. I barely remember reclining in my chair before falling back asleep. Knock, knock, knock. Once again, I was roused from a deep slumber by someone pounding on my front door. This time I checked my watch and it read 12.04 a.m. Lenny seemed resolute in his strange advice, but my patience was waning. I planned to let him know exactly how I felt about being awakened by nonsense twice in one night. A few minutes later, I approached the door and shouted, Lenny, I know it's you. I waited until 12.04 just like you said. Now can you please stop knocking on my door so I can get some peace and quiet? The knocking ceased abruptly, replaced by eerie silence. Disinterested in encountering Lenny again, I turned away from the door. But just as I took my first step back into the living room, I heard a chilling voice, unmistakably Lenny's. Please, I'm not joking this time. Something's wrong. I... I don't feel right. My annoyance for a man I had met less than a day ago battled with a strange sense of concern. I reluctantly opened the door, but there was no one in sight. I flicked on the floodlight, scanning the area for any movement, but it was eerily still. This has to stop, Lenny, I yelled in frustration. When I received no response, I backed into the kitchen and slammed the door, vowing to call the police if Lenny knocked again. As I turned around, my heart seemed to freeze in my chest as I caught sight of a dark figure rushing toward me. Before I could react, something struck me on the head, and darkness enveloped me. I awoke the following morning, sprawled on the kitchen floor with a pounding headache. My immediate instinct was to dial 911 and contact the local sheriff. I recounted the story of my neighbor attacking me in my own home, and to my surprise, the sheriff arrived with several squad cars within 15 minutes. As I anxiously detailed the bizarre incident to the sheriff, he interrupted me with a measured tone. There's a lot to unravel here, he said. You should come to the station to provide a formal statement and sign some paperwork. I can drive you there. This struck me as odd, but I had no reason to question the small-town sheriff and his prompt response to my call. At the station, he directed my attention to a computer screen and said, First things first, we need to make sure we're looking for the right person. Please point to the man who attacked you. The computer screen appeared oddly dated, but it displayed a series of photographs. Despite the peculiar atmosphere, it was unmistakable which one was Lenny, so I pointed to his image without hesitation. The sheriff's expression grew more solemn. I'll be right back, he said. While I waited, I began to wonder if Lenny wasn't who he claimed to be, or if he was someone long sought after by the authorities. None of my speculations prepared me for the old newspaper the sheriff handed me. Lenny's picture was on the front page, but the headline was chilling. Local man Lenny Stringer brutally murdered in his own home. The article continued. Around 12.04 a.m., neighbors reported yelling and screaming. No suspects have been named. The color drained from my face. Could this be some twisted prank the town played on newcomers to frighten them away? It couldn't possibly be real. Sensing my disbelief, the sheriff broke the silence, saying, yeah, this was a famous case back in the day. Poor Lenny was barely recognizable when they found him. They never did catch who did it, mainly because no one could imagine anyone harming Lenny. But don't worry, it happened a hundred years ago today. Even if the killer was a toddler at that point, they're long gone. As ridiculous as the sheriff's story seemed, I requested a ride home. When we arrived, I immediately delved into researching this eerie Lenny situation. 
There was no way the tales I'd heard were true. However, every news outlet I visited seemed to confirm the sheriff's unsettling account, which was far more disturbing than the notion of the town conspiring against me. As I mentioned earlier, this was a few weeks ago. I've neither encountered an attack nor seen any sign of Lenny since that day I spoke to the sheriff. Credit where credit is due, I'm likely attack-free because I now heed Lenny's warning. Every night, when the clock strikes 12.04, I ignore the knocks at the door, no matter how desperate they sound. And before you suggest leaving the job and relocating, know that this strange occurrence happens everywhere I go now. I dread the day I accidentally answer the door at that cursed time and discover the consequences of a second mistake. A decade ago, my wife and I embarked on a hike that would leave an indelible mark on our memories, one that still sends shivers down our spines when we recall it. We were avid hikers, and the allure of the fall season in the northeastern United States beckoned us to the trails. The breathtaking transformation of leaves and the comfortable weather made it the perfect time for our outdoor excursions. As October arrived, we ventured farther from home, opting for more challenging trails. On one fateful October afternoon, we decided to blaze our own path by hiking an unmarked trail. We considered ourselves experienced hikers and didn't anticipate staying overnight, so veering off the beaten path didn't daunt us. Around midday, we stumbled upon a picturesque clearing in the woods, a hidden gem that seemed untouched by other travelers. It felt like a rest stop designed for hikers, a circular enclave with two inviting tree stumps at its center. We settled onto the stumps, unwrapping protein bars for a quick snack, and planned to rest for just 15 minutes before continuing our journey. Just as we were about to re-enter the forest, we heard an unsettling noise emanating from beyond the trees. We paused, our ears perked, trying to discern the source. In these woods, we knew there were potentially dangerous animals, and the rustling noise hinted at something living. It was no mere rustling of leaves. It had intent. I suggested that we stay put until the noise ceased, but curiosity got the better of us, especially my wife. With her keen sense of direction, she felt confident in her ability to navigate. We proceeded cautiously, attempting to be as stealthy as possible. Even now, recounting the events, I can hardly believe what we encountered. Pacing erratically amidst the wilderness was a young woman, strikingly pretty, and likely in her early twenties. Her golden blonde hair and piercing blue eyes were striking, but the eerie part was her attire, or lack thereof. She wore a beautiful white dress that reached her knees, but her bare feet were caked with dirt, the filth extending up her legs and calves. The strangeness of the situation overwhelmed us, but we couldn't immediately approach her. She moved with unsettling erraticism, her hands flailing, body swaying from side to side. She mumbled to herself, but her words were incoherent, a mix of groans and sporadic laughter. Instead of risking direct contact, we called out to her. At first, she seemed oblivious to our presence, hopping around like a frenzied woodland creature. With a louder shout, she finally halted. Her abrupt stillness unnerved us. She stood motionless, no more murmurs or bizarre movements. My wife, displaying her compassionate nature, took a cautious step forward asking if the woman needed help. In response, the woman spun around and hissed at her, a chilling cat-like hiss that sent shivers down our spines. Then, without warning, 
She sprinted into the woods in the opposite direction, disappearing into the dense foliage. I remained rooted in place while my wife impulsively pursued her, determined to offer aid. After a brief chase, she returned, panting and defeated. The woman, despite her bare feet, had managed to elude my wife's pursuit. Back at our initial spot, we deliberated our next move. My wife contacted the park ranger, narrating the bizarre encounter. The ranger arrived and chastised us for venturing into off-limits areas, but since our location wasn't technically illegal, we escaped any serious trouble. However, it was evident that the ranger didn't share our concern for the mysterious woman. We sensed a distinct lack of urgency. Despite their subsequent search efforts, the woman remained elusive. Days passed, and there was no trace of her, nor any evidence of her presence in the woods. Authorities cross-referenced our description with recently missing women, but she didn't match any of them. We were left without answers, and my wife returned to the woods numerous times, hoping to uncover clues or locate the enigmatic woman. Yet her search yielded nothing. The only solace we found was that no woman fitting her description was reported missing or found dead. To this day, the events in those woods remain an unsolved mystery, and we can only speculate about the state of mind that led to her bizarre and unsettling behavior. One thing is certain, though, she was exceptionally fast and very, very disturbed. I believe something malevolent has insinuated itself into my home, and this unsettling tale continues to unfold with each passing day. My boyfriend and I reside high in the Appalachian Mountains, and I find myself alone for the most part, accompanied only by our feline companion Mimi. Unemployment has been my companion since our move, which leaves me with ample time to experience the eerie events that have taken place. One day, last week, I was diligently engaged in household chores, attempting to cleanse our living space after a recent party. After finishing, I decided to take a shower to wash away the grime that had accumulated. As the warm water cascaded over me, I became aware of what sounded like heavy stomping and banging. I paused, straining to listen more closely but dismissed it as Mimi's playful antics. After my shower, I almost immediately forgot about the unsettling noises. I descended the stairs wrapped in my towel and was instantly greeted by an unnerving chill that permeated the living room. Mimi lay curled up on her blanket on the couch, and I was baffled when I heard the cacophonous chorus of crickets emanating from somewhere nearby. My heart raced as I ventured further into the room, only to discover that the front door was wide open. Panic seized me because I distinctly remembered locking it that very morning when my boyfriend had left for work. Even stranger, the door's lock was still in the secured position. I was left with a creeping sense of paranoia for hours, unable to shake the feeling that something sinister had intruded. I conducted multiple thorough sweeps of the house, but no signs of an intruder were to be found. The following day, I tried to dismiss the unsettling incident as a fluke, convincing myself that perhaps the door jam had malfunctioned in some way. I resumed my solitary routine, munching on breakfast while seated on the couch. That's when I heard it again, a loud thump, followed by what sounded like dragging, this time originating from directly above me on the second floor. I paused the television and strained to listen, but all was silent. My heart pounded, but I did my best to ignore the sounds, forcing myself to continue with my meal. However, the thumping, stomping, shuffling, and dragging persisted in the days that followed, intensifying my sense of dread. As a spiritual person, I remained open to the possibility of ghosts and spirits, 
but what occurred next was beyond bizarre. Yesterday was a turning point as the presence of some otherworldly entity became increasingly evident. I once again heard the disconcerting thumping from above, and then I saw it, a white, translucent, foggy apparition drifting eerily down the hallway. My body froze in terror as I struggled to process this terrifying reality. The figure resembled a person draped in a long dress or coat, and I strained to take in every detail. In a state of paranoia, I left the house, seeking solace in the town, hoping that a change of scenery would provide some respite. Upon returning home, I discovered that half of my Halloween and autumn decorations were mysteriously illuminated. What perplexed me further was the fact that these decorations were operated by simple on and off switches, which I was certain I had turned off the night before. Later that evening, while in the kitchen, I distinctly heard the sound of water running upstairs, followed by an abrupt cessation after about five seconds. The faucet had been shut off completely. I was on high alert, my defenses raised, and I bolted upstairs to inspect the bathroom above the kitchen. To my shock, the tub and sink were bone dry and the toilet remained unflushed, devoid of any water supply. I stood there in eerie silence, unable to comprehend the inexplicable. This morning I contemplated these increasingly distressing encounters and began to delve deeper into spiritual beliefs. It struck me that these phenomena had begun after the front door had been left ajar. My thoughts turned to the folklore surrounding the Appalachian Mountains, and I couldn't help but wonder if I had unwittingly invited something malevolent into our home. With each passing day, the presence of this entity or spirit becomes more pronounced. I am now convinced that it has nestled itself within our abode, and I am determined to rid ourselves of this unseen menace. I must act swiftly to expel this intruder. I plan to have someone come to bless the house, and I hope that it will be enough to banish this unwelcome presence. I will keep you updated on the outcome, and I thank you for allowing me to share my chilling story. I am an avid collector, specifically items that relate to my lineage, the Romer family. To put it briefly, wealth is not an obstacle for me. My affluent background allows me to obtain journals and such at auction. While my possessions encompass a variety of treasures, my most cherished collections consist of journals meticulously transcribed by my ancestors from generations long past. What you will read is the oldest of these journals, a glimpse into the past of my family, June 16, 1789. The granulated sand yielded beneath my boots with a gratifying crunch. The relentless waves orchestrated a symphony against the shore, their melodic crashes accompanying my contemplative gaze fixed upon the vast, unbridled wilderness that stretched before me. Glancing backward, I beheld the Constitution, gently swaying amidst the offshore waves. The beach sprawled with palm trees, their verdant fronds undulating in harmony with the brisk breeze. Upon the arrival of the second raft, my companions disembarked with eager anticipation. It's colossal, exclaimed William, his voice awash with excitement. He pressed on. What shall we christen it? I regarded him, noticing his leggings dampen from the venture onto the shore before the raft fully grounded. Patience, my friend, I replied, my tone carrying a sense of mysterious anticipation. Time will unveil its rightful name to us. We carefully maneuvered our rafts toward the shore, the rest of my crew rowing with determined vigor. The majority of the island's perimeter was embraced by sandy shores, but formidable rocky cliffs guarded the entrance further inland. 
We ventured inward, following a sweeping valley that gracefully ascended, granting us passage into the heart of this vast island. There must be a substantial lake nearby. That's where we should establish our camp, Isaac suggested, wisely. I nodded in enthusiastic agreement as we pressed forward, navigating through the dense undergrowth. Isaac's idea had crystallized when we circled the island, passing by an awe-inspiring waterfall, one of the most magnificent I had ever beheld in my life. Before long, we arrived at a clearing, dappled with sunlight filtering through the leaves of ancient oaks and delicate lines of trees. It was an ideal spot, destined to be our temporary sanctuary. Through a narrow corridor of trees, a vast lake emerged into view, its pristine waters reflecting the grandeur of the surrounding wilderness. Here shall be our abode, I declared authoritatively, and our collective efforts commenced. The symphony of setting up tents and preparing our newfound haven began an orchestra of industry against the backdrop of nature's splendor. A short span of time elapsed before our determined efforts yielded a newly constructed camp, standing proudly amidst the untamed wilderness. I stood at the lake's edge, gazing contemplatively over the tranquil waters, lost in thought. Henry, my trusted companion, approached me with a question on his lips, his eyes reflecting the longing for his own family. When will our wives join us? he inquired, the absence of his beloved weighing heavily on his heart. I pondered his words for a moment, considering our situation carefully. Once we have crafted sturdy cabins for each of our families, I replied decisively, my tone filled with assurance. Satisfied with my response, Henry nodded appreciatively and retreated to his tent, hope flickering in his eyes. Turning my attention to the immediate needs of our burgeoning community, I called upon three of our most skilled men, Daniel, Matthew, and Thomas. Armed with muskets, they ventured forth into the wilderness, their mission clear, to provide us with fresh game from the island's bountiful wildlife for our evening supper. Meanwhile, the rest of us, fueled by the burning desire to reunite with our families, commenced the arduous task of felling trees. Each stroke of the axe reverberated with determination, our collective efforts symbolizing the steadfast resolve to create a haven where our loved ones could soon join us. The ache of their absence spurred us on, transforming our weariness into a driving force, propelling us toward the shared dream of a life together on this new, promising land. With each passing hour, our anxiety mounted. The day dragged on, and still there was no sign of our hunting party. Nightfall brought a sleepless night, the darkness echoing our worry. As the first light of dawn crept in, our hope dwindled. The absence of our companions left us in a state of uncertainty and fear, wondering what fate had befallen them in the wilds. June 17, 1789. Awakening to the chill of the morning, I quickly donned my clothes and stepped out of my tent, my stomach rumbling from the previous night's hunger. Around me, the rest of my crew slumped lazily, their faces etched with worry for our missing companions. Just as I was about to address the day's tasks, two figures emerged from the woods, one supporting the other, clearly injured. It was Matthew and Thomas. Where was Daniel? We ushered them to sit and handed them water while Isaac tended to Matthew's wounds. Their eyes held a mixture of fear and disbelief. We pressed them gently to recount their ordeal. Thomas spoke, his voice quivering with terror. We got lost, but something sinister trailed us in the darkness. He began, his hands shaking. It, it hunted us with cunning intelligence. 
It stalked our steps through the night, Daniel at the rear. We heard his screams pierce the night air. His voice trembled, tears welling up. It yanked him into the shadows before we could react. By the time we turned, all we heard were his fading cries. His breathing grew rapid. It toyed with us, a nocturnal entity, tall and gaunt. It's not human, but it's smart. It let us live, but I don't know why, he concluded, his voice trailing off in bewilderment. A heavy silence settled over us, the weight of the unknown pressing down upon our hearts. The island, once full of promise, now harbored a sinister secret, something beyond our understanding. We exchanged troubled glances, realizing that our survival on this island was not just a matter of physical endurance, but also a test of our mental fortitude against an inexplicable foe. Bearing a heart heavy with disappointment, I directed my men to pack up and rendezvous with me at the beach. I trudged through the thick undergrowth, a defeated air surrounding me. Oh, how swiftly our grand ambitions had crumbled. Merely one day on this island, and we were already forced into retreat. Thankfully, I had the foresight to pack supplies for a possible return journey. Yesterday night, I had nearly consumed them, a decision I now was profoundly grateful I hadn't made. As I descended the valley leading to the beach, I gazed out at the waves, a glimmer of hope in this otherwise dire situation. Yet reality came crashing down upon me like a relentless storm. Our rafts, the lifeline that could carry us back to the towering constitution, were nowhere to be seen. Panic gripped me, and I broke into a full sprint, my voice carried away by the wind as I shouted in desperation. My companions, their expressions filled with both sorrow and increasing fear, halted, waiting for my explanation. Amidst their horrified faces, a barrage of questions assailed me. Could we swim out to the ship? It was a futile idea. Not everyone among us could swim, and all the rafts had been brought to shore and had now vanished. Bringing the ship closer to the island would only trap us further. Yet the most pressing question loomed above all others. How would we endure the impending night? I pondered, evaluating our options with a heavy heart. We needed a plan, a way to defend ourselves against the unknown threat lurking on this island. Killing whatever hunted us had become a grim necessity, an unwelcome reality we could not ignore. As we toiled under the fading light, constructing a palisade wall with walkways encompassing it, nightfall abruptly descended upon us, halting our progress. Armed with muskets, sabers, and knives, we stationed ourselves strategically, ensuring a sweeping view of the surrounding fields. Nothing could breach our vigilant watch. It all began with a simple exclamation, I think I saw something moving just beyond the trees. Swift reassurances followed, attributing the movement to branches stirred by the wind, and later an exclamation about antlers, promptly dismissed as a deer. However, the sightings escalated in rapid succession, and as the night deepened, drowsiness started to cloud our senses. Over here! It's approaching! A cry pierced the night and we sprinted towards the source, catching a fleeting glimpse of the intruder retreating into the woods. We stood there, muskets aimed. Lord, it's so smart. It crept through the shadows, slipping into our fortress through an unfinished section. Benjamin, brave but unfortunate, fell victim to its vicious attack. He fired a desperate shot, the sound echoing through the night as the creature clamped its jaws around his neck. In our confusion, we believed he had spotted it in the trees. By the time we comprehended the truth, the creature was galloping on all fours, its massive form galloping into the fields, crowned with a formidable set of antlers, 
and Benjamin locked tightly within its jaws, his form limp. Just as the sun began to rise, casting yellow rays of hope, a creature's call echoed through the forest, originating from the other side of the lake. June 18, 1789. It feels as though a considerable span of time has slipped away, more than the actual hours that have ticked by. We slumbered through the morning, only stirring from our restless sleep, as the afternoon sun bathed us in its harsh light. Hunger gnawed at our bellies, a relentless reminder of the meager sustenance we'd consumed. With the inky shroud of night lifted, we took in the aftermath of the creature's presence, stakes thrust into the earth, bearing the grim visages of various animal heads skewered upon them, marred the landscape. However, the most harrowing sight awaited us when we stumbled upon the lifeless form of Daniel suspended from a tree. Tenderly, we lowered his lifeless body and provided him a solemn burial beneath the shadow of a towering oak. A pall of fatigue weighed heavily upon us as I issued the day's orders. Ten of us remained, our diminished numbers a constant reminder of our perilous situation. Two would embark on a hunting expedition, for without sustenance our chances dwindled. Isaac and I would scour the island in search of sanctuary or a means of escape. The remainder would labor tirelessly to complete our fortifications, the only shield between us and the mysterious nocturnal terror that haunted these wilds. Isaac and I ventured deeper into the wilderness, marveling at the untamed beauty that surrounded us. Despite the breathtaking scenery, the ever-present threat of the nocturnal beast lingered, casting a shadow over our awe. Muskets gripped tightly in our hands, I carved markings into the trees so we may return. Each step, each sound, carried the weight of an unshakable fear. What if the creature defied its nocturnal nature, lying in wait to ambush us? We dared not take any chances. Our journey led us to an unexpected discovery. A burial ground, a sacred place adorned with rocks arranged in intricate patterns. The beauty of the site was momentarily eclipsed by the startling realization that we were not alone on the island. Other people, the island's natives, stood before us. Their torsos bare, armed with spears and bows, they surrounded us, their eyes fixed upon us with a mix of curiosity and wariness. At spear point, we were guided to the edge of the island, where a swamp spread before us, acting as a natural barrier against intrusion. We passed through the murky waters and entered a secluded section of forest, isolated from the mainland except for the swampy expanse. The natural fortifications of the land became evident. We were escorted through their camp, eventually arriving at a house perched atop a hill. Inside, a native sat cross-legged at the center, deep in meditation. Two guards flanked the entrance as we settled in, anticipation hanging in the air. The man in the middle, his English heavy with accent, broke the silence. The beast has hidden your rafts, your sole means of escape, he said solemnly. I met his gaze and replied, yes, sir. It seeks a challenge in a manner of speaking. You must confront it, as we have done countless times before. I stood awaiting further instructions. Currently, you are perceived as feeble deer. Transform yourselves into wolves, he declared. His meaning dawned on me. If we displayed strength, the creature might allow us to leave. He conversed with the two guards in a language unfamiliar to me, and then we were let out. They provided us with food and returned our weapons before guiding us back to the burial grounds a familiar landmark from which we knew the way back. As the sun began its descent, casting a warm amber hue across the sky, we returned to our camp, an air of unease settling among us. 
I scanned the vast expanse, desperately seeking any sign of our hunting party. My heart ached with worry, whispering prayers for their safe return into the dying light. The sun, weary from its day-long journey, dipped below the horizon, leaving the world in the cool embrace of twilight. Anticipation hung heavy in the air, mingling with the scent of the food the natives had graciously provided. Night fell, shrouding the land in an impenetrable darkness, yet our hunters remained absent. Despair clung to us, its weight unbearable, for we knew the cruel fate that often befell those left out in the obsidian night. Silently, we stared into the surrounding fields, the night alive with mysterious sounds that reverberated through the air. My eyes caught a movement, a shadow striding on two legs in the distance. Instinctively, my fingers tightened around the cold metal of my rifle, and I fired. The sharp crack of the shot echoed in the stillness. My companions rushed to my side, our collective breaths suspended as the figure crumpled to the ground. With cautious steps, two men and I approached the fallen form, our hearts drumming in our chests. Dread pooled within me like ice water as we drew nearer. It was one of our hunters, his eyes wide with terror, his hands cruelly bound, and a gag stifling his voice. The night seemed to grow even darker around us as the reality of the situation settled like a lead weight in my stomach. The monstrous creature, a nightmare-given form, launched itself at us with terrifying speed. Its enormous jaws, lined with rows of razor-sharp teeth, clamped down around him with a bone-chilling crunch. A sickening sound of tearing flesh filled the air as the beast pulled upwards, ripping a gruesome chunk out of his side. In an instant, he was gone, his anguished cries silenced by the relentless savagery of the creature. Panic surged through my veins like wildfire as I turned and sprinted, my feet pounding against the forest floor in a desperate bid for escape. Beside me, my companion matched my frantic pace, but he fell behind, his breaths coming in ragged gasps. With a terrifying swiftness, the creature snatched him up, his body disappearing into the darkness, as if he had never been there. Meanwhile, my other friend lay limp and lifeless within the beast's merciless jaws, his body a haunting reminder of the horror we had just witnessed. I managed to reach safety, my breaths coming in heaving gasps as I clung to the shuddering edge of terror. Trembling like a leaf in a storm, I forced myself to confront the brutal reality of what had occurred. The night dragged on, shrouded in an unsettling silence broken only by the echoes of our panicked breaths. Despite the absence of the creature, its malevolent presence lingered, casting a sinister shadow over our thoughts. We dared not lower our guard, our eyes fixed upon the ominous tree line, the darkness beyond filled with unspeakable horrors. June 19, 1789. Only six of us remained now, a mere shadow of the men we had arrived with. Terrified, we clung to one another, our eyes haunted by the horrors that lurked in the enveloping darkness. The morning had brought its own nightmare, the necessity to amputate Matthew's leg, the injury inflicted by the creature now festering with infection. The ordeal was a grotesque dance with death, the agony of the decision cutting deeper than any physical pain. I shuddered at the choice that had been forced upon us, torn between the brutality of nature and the desperate struggle for survival. The memory of that monstrous creature, its savage eyes reflecting the madness within, still haunted my waking hours. I had witnessed it up close, its ravenous hunger tearing my friends apart. The mere thought of its presence sent shivers down my spine. 
It was as if the beast had chosen me as its final prey, its sinister intelligence preserving me for the ultimate horror. The knowledge that it toyed with us, stringing up the bodies of our fallen companions like macabre decorations, fueled the flames of our fear. It twisted our minds, making us question our own sanity, whispering doubts into the very fabric of our thoughts. We buried our fallen comrades beneath the sheltering branches of the ancient oak, their resting place a grim reminder of the fate that awaited us all. The dream of creating a flourishing community, of establishing a plantation on this untouched land, had crumbled into ashes. How naive I had been, leading my men unwittingly into this trap. We were no more than deer fleeing from a relentless predator, our hunter a cunning and merciless wolf. Sitting on the beach, the same stretch of sand where my departed companions had once dreamed of a prosperous life on this island, I gazed out at the Constitution swaying gently in the ocean's embrace. It stood there, a distant beacon of civilization, both a promise and a taunt. None among us could swim, a fact that I wouldn't be surprised if the creature had cunningly deduced. The ship, beautiful and unreachable, became our symbol of hope, a glimmering reminder of the world we had been torn away from. Yet even as it stood so tantalizingly close, its distant allure seemed like a cruel mockery. I doubted I would ever again set foot on its weathered deck, condemned to the island's clutches, a prisoner of this savage wilderness. I returned to our camp, a heavy shroud of unease and terror hanging in the air, casting a pall over our diminishing morale. As the leader, I felt the weight of responsibility pressing upon my shoulders, urging me to bolster the spirits of those who remained. Gathering the survivors around me, I delivered a speech, each word laden with the urgency of our situation, trying to ignite the flickering flames of hope within their weary hearts. If we passively await the nightly onslaught of this beast, it will methodically pick us off, stringing us up like the unfortunate souls before us, I declared my voice resonating with both determination and desperation. We must become the hunters, confront this malevolent force, and reclaim the power it has stolen from us. We are not mere prey. We are warriors, and it's high time we show this creature the strength of our resolve. Silence hung in the air after my words, heavy with the acknowledgement that remaining idle was not an option. With a collective determination, we packed up our essentials, the tangible remnants of our shattered lives, and ventured into the foreboding depths of the island. Dawn painted the sky with hues of soft gold and fiery orange, casting an eerie glow upon the ancient trees that surrounded us. Led by an instinct, a hunch born from fear and desperation, I guided our group toward the second part of the island, where the creature's haunting howls had echoed. It was in that direction that our initial hunting party had encountered the beast, so it seemed logical that we would find some trace of its presence there. We followed the serpentine path next to the Grand Lake, its mirrored surface reflecting the towering mountains that loomed protectively over us. Every step we took was a communion with nature's grandeur, marred by the terror that lurked within its shadows. I stole glances at the rocky ridge that skirted the lake, its majesty juxtaposed against the malevolence we sought to confront. As I gazed upward, the tallest mountain, a sentinel of the island, seemed to touch the heavens, casting its imposing silhouette against the waking sky. Despite the terror, a part of me couldn't help but marvel at the island's raw, untamed beauty. In another life, under different circumstances, I might have wished to call this place home, but for now, it was a battleground, 
a place where our struggle for survival played out amidst the awe-inspiring grandeur of nature. As we ventured deeper into the heart of the island, we stumbled upon a hauntingly familiar sight, a grim display of skulls impaled on pikes standing sentinel before the entrance of a vast cavern. An unsettling mixture of terror and morbid fascination washed over me. The ghastly spectacle bore testament to the creature's savagery, a chilling reminder of the danger that lurked in its domain. Despite the paralyzing fear that gripped our hearts, a glimmer of dark hope began to flicker within me. Navigating through the very hunting grounds where this malevolent force prowled was undeniably perilous, yet the alternative, a direct confrontation within its lair, seemed a far better option. In that moment, a daring plan formed in my mind. If we could locate its lair, perhaps we could stage an ambush while the beast slumbered, finally gaining the upper hand in this harrowing ordeal. As the adrenaline coursed through my veins, a newfound sense of determination welled up within me. For the first time in a long while, a spark of hope ignited within the depths of my despair. With caution etched into every step, we pressed onward, guided by the grim procession of skulls that marked our path into the heart of darkness. Amid the flickering glow of lanterns casting eerie shadows upon the cavern walls, a profound sense of insignificance overwhelmed me. I stood, a mere speck, in the vastness of the immense chamber before me, its yawning corridors stretching in every conceivable direction. The realization struck me like a tidal wave. We were now within the very heart of the creature's domain. Here, within the labyrinthine depths of this cave, it held an intimate knowledge that far surpassed its familiarity with the forest above. Yet, demonstrating our defiance, proving that we were not mere prey, remained paramount in my thoughts as we pressed forward with unwavering determination. Our journey led us into a colossal chamber, within which a grotesque sight met our eyes. Piles of bones scattered haphazardly across the floor. Some were unmistakably human, while others belonged to animals, their remnants now nothing more than remnants of past life. As I surveyed this dreadful scene, my conviction in the creature's intelligence deepened. However, what truly jolted me into a realization of its cunning was a chilling discovery etched into the cave wall. The word hello carved into the stone with deliberate precision. The cavern's walls bore witness to more of the creature's unsettling creations, crude sketches depicting the island, strategic plans for an assault on the natives' camp, and intricate renderings of the very cave system we now traversed. Each detail was meticulously captured in my journal, a record of the horrors we had encountered. Yet amidst the chaos of illustrations, one drawing gripped my heart with icy fingers, a ship adrift on the vast expanse of the ocean, unmistakably my own vessel. Below it, in crude, hastily etched letters, a single ominous phrase sent shivers down my spine. Behind you. Amid the echoing darkness of the cave, the chilling resonance of Matthew's screams clawed at our ears, drowning us in a cacophony of fear. He was yanked further into the heart of the labyrinthine system, his desperate cries reverberating off the cold stone walls. In his wake, all that remained was a hastily fashioned peg leg, a crude testament to the horror he had endured. The air was thick with terror as some of my men, driven by a surge of adrenaline, pursued him, disappearing into the depths of the cave. Others succumbed to their primal instincts, fleeing deeper into the unknown, their panicked footsteps fading into the abyss. Yet amidst the chaos, Isaac and I stood frozen, our eyes locked in a mix of shock and determination, 
The reality of the situation slowly gripped us, compelling us to action. We knew bravery was the only currency that might earn the respect of this evil force. Ignoring the paralyzing fear, we ran, our footsteps echoing in the hollow silence. In the claustrophobic confines of the cave, where shadows danced eerily on the walls, we became the embodiment of unwavering courage, our resolve etched onto our faces like ancient runes, a testament to the defiance that simmered within us. Meanwhile, the rest of our companions, lost in a frenzy of terror, darted aimlessly through the maze-like passages, their cries of anguish fading into the abyss. As we ventured deeper into the cavern, the atmosphere grew dense, causing my ears to pop from the changing pressure. Our footsteps, deliberate and cautious, resonated off the ancient walls, creating a haunting melody in the silence of the underground abyss. Emerging into a chamber, we found ourselves surrounded by a peculiar sight. Leaves, brought in from the outside world, carpeted the ground, creating an odd juxtaposition between the natural world and the eerie confines of the cave. It became clear that we had stumbled upon the creature's den, a place where the line between the wild and the primal blurred into one chilling reality. In the midst of our contemplation, a scream, laced with unimaginable agony, shattered the silence. The sound seemed to reverberate from all directions, disorienting our senses and filling the chamber with an ominous resonance. The walls seemed to quiver in response to the unearthly cry, a stark reminder of the hostility that dwelled in the shadows. Along with the haunting sound, an overpowering stench wafted through the air, assaulting my nostrils with a putrid mixture of decay and death. I dared to peer into a smaller alcove, hoping against hope that the source of this foul odor was merely animal remains. However, what met my eyes was a gruesome tableau. Flesh, most of it rotting, lay strewn across the chamber floor. My heart clenched with dread. The realization settling in that we were now deep within the lair of a monstrous predator, surrounded by the remnants of its ghastly feasts. I prayed silently that this carnage was solely the product of the creature's animal kills. But the nagging fear of human remains lingered like a chilling specter in the back of my mind. In the wake of that most recent scream, a brutal reminder of our dwindling numbers, only four of us remained our desperate footfalls echoing through the caverns that had become our dismal refuge. It was a damning truth. Twelve vibrant souls had ventured into this isle, and now only a fraction remained. I couldn't shake the weight of my failure as a leader, my heart heavy with the knowledge that I had let down my crew, my friends, my companions. We were trapped in this underground nightmare, entangled in the very jaws of the creature that claimed this desolate underworld as its domain. Amidst the grim echoes of loss, we stumbled upon a small stream, its waters running with a chilling perfection. The liquid, untouched by sunlight for what felt like an eternity, promised a rare respite. Isaac and I, parched from our harrowing journey, eagerly bent down to drink. The sensation of chilled water against my lips was a luxury I hadn't experienced in months, a fleeting moment of solace amidst the chaos that surrounded us. Yet, our momentary relief was shattered by another scream. This one abruptly cut off, its echoes drowned out by the sinister victory cries that followed. It was as if the creature reveled in our fear, its cruel laughter echoing through the caverns, a macabre soundtrack to our desperate plight. With every bone-chilling cry, the realization of our predicament bore down upon us, a stark reminder that we were not the hunters in this shadowy realm. We were the hunted 
pursued by an intelligent and sadistic predator. In the labyrinthine crossroads of the cavern, it came hurtling past us like a shadowy wraith, confirming my darkest suspicions. It was deliberate, methodical. It was saving me for last, savoring a malevolent game of predator and prey. I couldn't help but marvel at its cunning, how it meticulously chose its victims, moving from the most vulnerable to the strongest among us. Each phase of its grisly operation executed with an unsettling satisfaction. The creature's intelligence was a chilling revelation, a reminder that we were not just facing a mere beast, but a calculating and sadistic adversary that reveled in the psychological torment of its prey. Its actions spoke of a sinister intellect, one that took pleasure in the order and chaos of the hunt, turning the depths of the cave into a nightmarish battleground where survival was a fleeting hope. We stumbled upon the remains of one of our companions, a gruesome tableau of horror etched into the very walls of the cavern. His lifeless body hung suspended by both arms, grotesquely displayed in the dim, flickering light of our lanterns. From the waist down, he was entirely absent, leaving a dreadful void where his lower half should have been. Beneath him, a sickening pool of blood, intestines, and viscera lay in a grotesque heap, a chilling testament to the savagery that had befallen him. The pungent metallic scent mixed with the damp, earthy aroma of the cavern, creating a nauseating atmosphere that clung to the air like a sinister omen. Isaac, his normally strong constitution shattered by the horrific sight, succumbed to his revulsion, his stomach rebelling against the ghastly scene before us. I steadied him, my own horror momentarily eclipsed by the urgency of our situation. We couldn't afford to linger in the suffocating darkness of the cave. We needed to move forward, to find an escape from this subterranean nightmare, to seek out the elusive exit that might offer us a sliver of hope. The thought of joining the natives, once a glimmer of optimism in our dire circumstances, flickered in my mind like a distant candle in the blackness. Yet, hope was a fragile thing, easily shattered by the relentless pursuit of the beast that haunted us. Lost in the labyrinthine depths of the cave, every step forward felt like a plunge into the unknown, a gamble with our lives. The beast, cunning and ruthless, was still hunting us, its echoing cries resonating through the tunnels like a harbinger of doom. We pressed on, driven by a desperate determination to escape this subterranean nightmare, praying that we might find a way out and elude the relentless predator that stalked our every move. The caverns trembled with the thunderous roar of a musket shot, its explosive sound ricocheting off the ancient walls, like a war cry echoing through a desolate battlefield. The cacophony reverberated, amplifying the noise until the very stones seemed to vibrate with the force of the blast. The echoes twisted and turned, creating an illusion of a chaotic war zone, the ghostly remnants of gunfire filling the air. As the echoes gradually faded, a solitary scream tore through the hushed aftermath, reverberating like a chilling anthem of despair in the subterranean void. The sound, raw and primal, hung in the air a haunting reminder of the horrors that lurked in the shadows. Then a suffocating silence descended, thick and palpable, smothering the cavern like a shroud. An overwhelming sense of dread and fear settled over me like a leaden fog in that profound stillness. The realization struck with force. Only two of us remained, fragile remnants of a once proud group. The predator that had ruthlessly claimed our companions was now on our trail, a relentless force of nature and darkness closing in. Every sound, Every flicker of movement, 
became a potential harbinger of doom, and the very walls of the cave seemed to close in around us, trapping us in a nightmarish world where unseen eyes followed our every step, and the imminent threat of the unknown weighed heavy on our hearts. Desperation gnawed at the edges of our sanity as we grappled with the haunting question of escape. Trapped in this subterranean maze, hope seemed a distant star in a lightless sky. The suffocating labyrinth, its winding tunnels, and cryptic twists threatened to be our eternal tomb. But amidst the enveloping darkness, a flicker of understanding sparked. It was a revelation, a moment of clarity that struck like lightning. I clutched the journal, my fingers trembling over the map I had painstakingly sketched, the map that the cunning beast had drawn to guide its twisted hunts. My heart raced as I deciphered the intricate web of caverns, the loops and circles that crisscrossed beneath our feet. With a surge of hope, Isaac and I embarked on our harrowing journey. Running through the eerie passages, our breaths ragged and panicked, we followed the map's cryptic markings like explorers navigating uncharted territory. The shadows played tricks on our senses, whispering of unseen terrors lurking just beyond our vision. Each twist and turn, each fork in the path, held the promise of salvation or despair. The damp, cold air clung to us as we pushed forward, adrenaline pumping through our veins. The walls of the labyrinth, slick with moisture, seemed to pulse with a malevolent intent, as if they themselves conspired to keep us captive. But we pressed on, driven by the fragile hope that this map, this new-found knowledge of our prison, would be our guiding light in the darkest of nights. Our footsteps echoed through the endless passages, a haunting cadence that marked our race against time and an ever-watchful predator. As we pressed onward through the oppressive darkness of the labyrinthine caverns, time itself seemed to warp and twist. Each step we took echoed with the weight of our determination, and the air grew heavy with a palpable sense of dread. Our journey through the cryptic tunnels stretched on, the walls of the cave slick with moisture, bearing silent witness to our struggle. Gradually, a glimmer of recognition began to pierce through the fog of our disorientation. The rugged terrain, once alien and foreboding, now revealed familiar contours and shapes. It was as if we were retracing the steps of a long-forgotten dream. The gnarled formations of the cave walls, the eerily distorted shadows, all conspired to lead us back to a place we had once desperately sought to escape. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, we arrived at the entrance room the very place where our nightmarish ordeal had begun. The chamber's contours were etched into our memories, the uneven floor, the looming stalactites above, and the haunting, hollow echoes of our own footsteps. It was here that our journey into the abyss had commenced, and it was here that, against all odds, it seemed poised to conclude. The air in the chamber was stagnant, heavy with the weight of our shared experiences. We exchanged glances, our faces etched with exhaustion and apprehension. It was a moment of eerie stillness, a respite from the ceaseless pursuit that had haunted us. But we knew that this was not yet the end, that our escape hinged on a careful plan and an unwavering will to survive. In that pivotal moment, the oppressive silence of the cavern seemed to amplify. The weight of dread and anticipation hung in the air like a shroud, and I couldn't help but feel the heavy presence of those unrelenting, otherworldly eyes upon me. Slowly, with deliberate caution, I turned on my heels to confront the source of that unyielding gaze, and there it stood, bathed in the eerie glow of moonlight filtering through the cavern's jagged ceiling. 
a grotesque marvel of nature. The creature before me was an embodiment of primal terror. Its towering frame was crowned by a menacing stag skull, its antlers casting long, sinister shadows across the rocky terrain. Every sinew and muscle of its lithe body seemed honed for the relentless pursuit of prey. As the inky darkness of the cavern enveloped us, I felt a cold, palpable tension in the air. It was a standoff between hunter and hunted, a macabre ballet of survival. My fingers inched toward the hilt of my saber, the weapon that would decide my fate in this dire encounter. The creature mirrored my readiness, its predatory instincts coiled like a spring, and those malevolent eyes locked onto mine. The seconds stretched into an eternity as we dared each other to make the first move. In the dim light I observed the creature's sinuous form tense, its anticipation hanging heavy in the air. It seemed poised to strike, to execute its predatory dance, but it was our mutual resolve that shattered the silence. Simultaneously, as if guided by some unseen force, we lunged forward. I unleashed a primal scream, a chorus of emotions, anger, determination, and sheer will to end this nightmarish ordeal. The creature, too, reacted with lightning speed, its gaping maw snapping shut in an attempt to claim me as its prey. But I sidestepped with a grace forged in desperation and survival. My saber sang through the air, a silver streak in the moonlight, as it met flesh with a sickening thud. The creature recoiled, its eyes registering surprise as it gazed upon the gash I'd inflicted. In its moment of vulnerability, I struck again, a savage arc across its sinewy back. A cacophonous roar filled the cavern, a symphony of pain and rage. I found myself beneath the creature, our eyes locking in a deadly contest of wills. It wasn't merely trying to kill me. It was trying to break my spirit, to savor the fear in my eyes. But fear had no dominion over me. With a swift, practiced motion, I drew my flintlock pistol from its holster and fired a single, thunderous shot into its chest. The creature released me, writhing in agony as I rolled clear of its grasp. I watched as it struggled to its feet, its form contorted in pain. In a final act of defiance, I closed the distance and delivered two more punishing slashes, the cavern echoing with its agonized roars. Hatred and fear burned in its remaining eye as it staggered back, bloodied and blinded. With a frenzied determination, it retreated deeper into the unfathomable depths of the cave system, leaving me victorious, yet forever marked by the horrors of that relentless night. The first light of dawn broke over the horizon as we reached the shore. A solitary raft awaited us on the beach. Without a word, we boarded it, our steps purposeful and resolute. Rowing towards the Constitution, which stood tall on the calm waters, we felt a mixture of relief and exhaustion wash over us. As the sails of the Constitution caught the breeze, propelling us away from the imposing island, it began to shrink in the distance, its grandeur fading with every passing moment. Grandiosha, I whispered under my breath, the name of the island escaping my lips like a fading echo. What was that? Isaac, my companion, asked, his eyes reflecting the same mix of wonder and horror that I felt. Grandiosha Isle, 